The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Stuart. How are we all today? Yes, it's good to be back here among you. It's good to see you all. Lots of babies being born when I've been away. Everything's going on. That's how I call church growth, amen? <laughs> so we're going to get it one way or the other, even if it's through uh, lots of babies being born. Let's just uh, pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless and honor you for who you are, the Almighty One. We thank you, Father, that above you there is no other. We thank you that you are the awesome creator of all things. We thank you that you are most worthy of our praise. We declare your goodness and your faithfulness. We proclaim that you alone are almighty God. Father, as we gather in this place today, Father, not only in this room but in this building, as we gather together as people who love you, we pray let your glory and your presence be revealed to us. Father, you are the one that we need. Our hearts are hungry for you. Our hearts are desperate for you. Our nation is desperate for you, oh God. Father, our homes, our families are desperate for you. We cry out to you, you who are the God of all mercy and grace. Visit us with your presence. Visit us with your power, oh God. Open our hearts and our lives to you. Father, let every blockage, every hindrance... Every obstacle, Father, that the enemy would seek to bring upon our hearts, upon our minds, let it be broken in the name of Jesus. Father, open our lives to you and your presence, that we may receive from you. You are the leader of our lives. You are the great shepherd of the sheep. And Father, as we come to you, Lord, minister your grace into us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to take a bit of a risk. Can you stand up? We're going to sing... A song, but it's, I know it's a bit difficult to get the key. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. A born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Saviour all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Saviour all the day long. Hallelujah. Why don't you sit down? I love that song. I don't know why it came to me, but 
There are other verses in that where it says, angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. The reason that we're here as a people is because we have discovered that there is a God who created us. And somehow what we're seeking to do is to make connection with him. Because we realize that when we make connection with him, things start to happen in our lives. Now that is how it was designed from the beginning. God created us for himself. That he might enjoy us. And he created a world for us to live in, that we would come here and that we would be and that we would have fellowship with him and that we would abide in his presence forever. God created all of the uh, angels and yet in heaven there was an angel that decided that he wanted to receive the glory that God had for himself. And Satan was thrown out of heaven. It's interesting to note that there was never a major battle in heaven God has no concern about the fact that the devil might have power because God has greater power. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, we sat down, we had a long debate, and oh, I listened to the devil's arguments and they seem to be quite good, but you know, he has upset me and I need to send him out. No, 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 nothing like that. God says, you have sinned out of my presence. And Satan was cast from heaven. God is all-powerful and almighty. He is the one who is above every other. However, that Satan came to earth to interfere with mankind. And through his schemes and working through a serpent, he led Eve astray. That Adam and Eve might eat of the fruit that they were forbidden not to eat and that they might fall under the power of Satan. But God, in his great love for us, orchestrated the move of sending his one and only son to redeem us from the powers of darkness that we might come back into relationship with him. And as we sit here this morning, we're sitting here in an atmosphere that is under initially the authority of the enemy. But we are the children of God. And our purpose is to bring the the light and the glory of who God is down into this place where there is a lot of darkness. And we're seeking to establish his kingdom here upon the earth. That is what we're seeking to do. So we're not just coming here to sing songs. We're not just coming here to listen to messages. We are coming here to meet with our God because he has a mission for each one of us to do. Because whenever we come together, we're here to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to encourage one another, to love one another, to support one another in this place. But we come here to encounter his presence that we may go to establish his kingdom. We are actually taking ground that belongs to God, but we're taking it back from the enemy. That is why when you go back to your office tomorrow, the person who you're holding unforgiveness in, uh, towards in your office, you need to forgive because you want to see the kingdom of God being extended, not the kingdom of darkness being extended. The neighbours next door who are causing problems and throwing their grass clippings over your fence, <laughs> we bless them in the name of Jesus. We don't know why they're doing it, but we bless them. Why? Because we want the kingdom of God to be advanced. That's why it's so important for us as a people to live in obedience to the word of God and the commands of God. Why? Because this is God's rule from heaven. Yes. 
In James, it talks about the fact of we can be readers of this only and not doers. You know what it says that when we become like that? In other words, we know what the Bible says. We know we've read it, but we don't live it. It says that we deceive ourselves. We're bringing ourselves back into that place where we're operating in darkness, not in light. Because light says we have to do the things of light because we're seeking to bring his kingdom in. And that is what we are here for. There's a scripture which I thought I would start off with. Now, this is eternal life, it says, from John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's a bit disconcerting, isn't it, on this side? In the name of Jesus, we want that machine to come back so that we have stereo, not mono. This is eternal life. This is why we're here. Eternal life, that is life that is going to go on forever, life that is going to last, is this, is knowing this God whom we're speaking about and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Not just saying, oh, I accept there is a God. Not just saying, oh, I've read about him in the Bible. It is knowing him. There's relationship. There has to be the reality of relationship with this God. That is when we start to really live life. And you know what? He came to give life to us. I have come that they might have life, and life in all of its fullness. That is why Jesus came for us. You remember Jesus with the woman at the well of Samaria. He was offering her water. In that case, it was this water. You know, let me come. She was coming to the well to get water midday because of all the problems that she had in her life, trying to hide from people. But she came to that well, and there's Jesus says, can you give me a drink? And there's a bit of interaction because of the fact that he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan and they're not supposed to talk and all of those things. Anyway, Jesus, you haven't got anything to get water out the well. How are you going to have a drink? I mean, Jesus just says to her, listen, if you'd asked me, I would have given you living water. Living water. Water that lasts. Water that you don't... And she, this woman's thinking, oh, wow, if I can have this, I don't need to come back here every day to get this water. Something about what Jesus has to offer is attractive. And that's exactly what we see. There's something in this Jesus that makes me come alive. There's something in him that strengthens and empowers my soul. And I want that. And that woman said, yes, I want this water. I hope we've come here this morning to... Oh, my goodness. I hope we've come here this morning to drink... I've just remembered that I haven't turned my machine off, going off, so it's blank. So just talk amongst yourselves for a while. <laughs> As I'm doing this, I can tell you that all of those of you who think that I went out to sunbathe in hot weather, you are distinctly wrong. It rained a lot of the time in Africa, <laughs> in Uganda. Many times I text Helen and said, oh, it's raining here this morning. And when it rains... It doesn't do it in an English fashion. Yay. What we call rain, they call drizzle. <laughs> what we call drizzle, they call mist. What they call rain, we call abundance. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I went out to Uganda. Some of you, I, I went out there, I did preaching, I did te some teaching in uh, a, a, a small church, 
um, with Charles Kaiwa. Charles Kaiwa preached here a number of weeks ago. He has been around a few times, so some of you will know who I meant, mean. He's a, a dear friend of mine, and he, uh, I've been in conversations with him a lot over the summertime, uh, over the summertime, over the wintertime. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, the funny thing when you go to Uganda is the, the fact that it's hot at times, obviously there was the rain, but then it gets dark early because it always gets dark at about 10 to 7 at night and it gets light at 10 to 7 during the day. Always the same because you're on the, near the, very near the equator, so it's always the same. But what I find it mentally is I equate warmth to be summer, summer to be light evenings. It's just like, you know, but that's, it's sort of like written inside of you. And that's, so every time it gets dark, I think it's not right, right here. So, <laughs> You know, hence me thinking in terms of summer rather than what time of year it really is. Listen, I went out there to, and I did some teaching and some preaching, but that isn't really the reason that I went. I went because, like you, I am looking for the reality of God. What I've just been speaking about, about the fact that we want God's presence, about the fact that we need him, Listen, that is what we want. We love the songs, we love the sermons, we love people and things like that. But ultimately, what we want is reality of him. We want to know him. We want to understand him. We want to hear his voice. We want to have him speak to us. We want to walk with him. We want to lay our hands on sick people and see them recover because of what he has said in his word. Because we don't want to see God's word being misused or abused, but we want to see his word coming to pass in us and through us. And that is a burning desire that I have. And my connection with Uganda goes way back to 2000. Uh, even my connection with Uganda is back to 1999. Many of you will know people like Pastor John Malindi and World Trumpet Mission, who we had connection with from Uganda. Charles was part of World Trumpet Mission uh, a long while ago as well. So these connections have been around for a long while. But when I first went out there and encountered what they had, there was something that uh, struck me inside. These people have something that we don't. End of story. Well, what is it? How, you know, well, we see them praying, we see them worshipping differently, there's different styles and things like that, but there's something that just impresses me. They have something that we don't have, but we need. And the quest to find that has been in my heart ever since that time. And as you know, those of you who have been in the church for a while, we've had people come from Uganda and preach to us and minister to us. We've had missions. People like Nicodemus have come and shared with us. And these people have always got encouragement for us. We've had John Melindy come. In the early days, we had somebody called Michael Chimuli, who was working very closely with John, come. Um, we had a guy who was a missionary who came here, whose name was Bob Mwanga, who probably nobody will remember, but he also came. And I mention these names because I met with all of these people when I was out there. The messages we heard were encouraged. They told us about the fact that we needed to pray. They told us that we needed to gain breakthrough. We need to gain breakthrough with God. They told us many things that encouraged us and stirred us. But this is the one thing that I have a problem with. We don't seem to be breaking through into the same way as they did. So it's that sort of message that was on my heart. That quest, that inquiry, those questions is why I went. Now, in going, I was able to go to a church, and I went to Bob Mwanga's church, a guy who was, was with World Trumpet Mission, who's a friend of Charles. We went to his church, and we went there on the Sunday. We preached, and then we had three days of mission at his church, so we was there for four days. And that's what we were working in this village just outside Kampala. 
so we were doing that each and every day. We traveled there. The traffic in Kampala is a nightmare. That's it. It's a nightmare. I don't know how anybody becomes a learner driver there. <laughs> I, I just doesn't make, you know, like, they must be terrified. I felt scared at times, and I'm reasonably assertive, and you have to be assertive. Anybody who's timid, all I can say is they must travel at night or something when it's less busy. Basically, there's one traffic jam across the city every day, most of the time. And so everybody fights for space. If you see a red light, don't worry about red lights. We're just going to go for it. There aren't many red lights, so we don't have to worry about it. And as everybody is moving around and in the midst of this melee, throw into that 100,000 motorcycles moving around at the same time with a few taxis as well. It's just mental. Anyway, it took us about an hour and a half, two hours to do something like 10 miles. That's a sort of, you know. But anyway, we went to this church. We, we met there. We talked and, with Bob. And Bob was very, very encouraging, a very gracious man of God. He was with one of those people that was with John Melindy in the early days, uh, seeking God and praying and, and seeking the things that really that I was talking about. So we had some very good conversations. I'd spoken to Charles about how good it would be to be able to meet up with Michael Chimuli. This was uh, John Melindy's co-worker. Um, but Charles said to me, like, oh, it's been difficult to get hold of him. I've rung him many times. He hasn't got back to me, but we'll, we'll do something. That's what he said to me. So we had that conversation on the Sunday. On the Monday morning, Charles and I went to, uh, found a coffee shop. And we went and had a cup of coffee together. While we were sitting there, in walks Michael Chimuli with his wife. So we said, Michael, <laughs> come and have a coffee with us. I sat down with Michael and I said to him, Michael, you remember coming to our church in those days? You remember all the things that we were seeking for? I said to him, Michael, you never helped us to break through. We're here to find out. We were never mentored. You told us many things but we're still suffering in this nation. And so we had a conversation, a bit more of a realistic conversation, about how you can pray and how you can break through in prayer and what it takes. One of the conversations that we had was really talking about the spiritual realm. You know, one thing I've discovered is that in Africa, the DNA of most people the DNA of most people is that the spiritual realm is a reality. When you come here in the Western world, the DNA of most people is that the spiritual world is not a reality. Now, we can't blame ourselves for it. This is what is inside of us. This is what you've grown up with. So we might say in church we believe that God is spirit because that is what the Bible tells us. And therefore, the Bible itself is explaining, right, well, if you want to know about God, God is reality in the spiritual realm. But, and we accept that, because, okay, that seems to make sense. God is God anyway. He can live where he wants. That makes sense. That doesn't mean to say that we understand that there is a spiritual realm. But you see, when you go back to Africa, they understand because before Christianity came, they were operating in the spiritual realm. Now, we would call it witchcraft, dark practices, but they recognize there is power to affect lives by connecting into the spiritual realm. 
And so therefore, people would go to what they would call witch doctors, people who have the ability to have power in that realm. And the witch doctors would say, well, if you want to get that thing sorted out, if you want to marry that woman, or if you want to get so many more cattle, if you want to do that, and those of you who know, you are nodding because you understand this. They go to those people, and they say, well, this is what you need to do. You need to bring this sacrifice. You need to do this. You need to do that. This is what you need to make this uh, payment. And then, the, and these, uh, perhaps you'll go through some practices, and then those things will come to pass. And so, because they want something, because they have a need of something, because somebody in their family may be very sick, because they can't get the job they're looking for, because they want to achieve something, they go and they operate in the spiritual realm to get the things that they want because they know there is power in that realm. And that's true. And we dismiss it as saying, oh, these people, they don't know what they're doing. They're dealing with witchcraft, and that shouldn't be happening. And the Bible says it's wrong, and we want to throw all that out, which, of course, is right. But we don't understand the power that is there. Now, when the gospel comes to Africa, and these people see signs and wonders, and the power that is in the name of Jesus that is greater than any other power, they say, wow, we love powers that help us get things. Jesus for me. And you see, they can connect into the spiritual realm because they know about the spiritual realm and they connect into the spiritual realm now asking for forgiveness for the things that they have done but coming into the contact with the living God who is the one that they want to serve. So they know how to operate in the spiritual realm. So when it comes to serving God, what they want is we want to connect with you. So when it says, well, you need to pray... They understand that to operate in the spiritual realm, there's sacrifice that needs to be made. And so therefore, they have a tendency to say, I'll pray until. I'll do whatever it takes. Because that's how you operate in the spiritual realm. But you see, when you start to bring people who understand that and they come to tell us, we say, are you sure? I don't think that's how it works. Because everything is operating up in our minds. Can I be sure? We process everything through the mind. So the mind has like a spiritual power and can be a blockage to us. So we're not operating with witches or we're not operating with dark things necessarily. But what we tend to do is we tend to operate in the mind. And if it doesn't make sense to us, then the doorways are closed and it's not going to come in. So for somebody to say to us, Listen, it's going to take you to pray until something happens. We say, but uh, it seems to be wasting my time here. I could be better spent doing something else. I could be going out and helping the poor rather than just praying for them. And that makes sense to our minds. So in the end, we leave the place of sacrifice. And we will go and do good things because we think it's what is necessary but it might not necessarily lead us to a place of breaking through. So we had conversations of this type of level, trying to understand about the spiritual realm, trying to understand the things that we are facing here, trying to understand what it really takes for us as a people to break through, trying to comprehend what it means to pray. How do we pray? Why should we pray like that? How long is it going to take? All of those sorts of questions is things that I was dealing with and talking to them about.
Now, because Charles knows many people, I was very blessed at being able to speak to many people. Michael Chimuli, we met in the coffee shop. We went to his church later in the week uh, to a service they had on a Friday evening, and we were part of that service. I went to a number of different other churches to meet people. Probably one of the most significant and yet quite interesting meetings was on the last day, last Tuesday, so Tuesday, where I met a man called Simeon Akaiwa, same surname as Charles, uh, Simeon Kaiwa. Simeon Kaiwa is like, he is the man God visited him back in 1977. Let me just jump back. The history of Uganda is that the Christians went there, a guy called Bishop Hannington went there, they brought the message to Jesus, but the king of the nation uh, got upset with them and he had them murdered. And so these early missionaries were murdered, their blood was spilt, but then others came and they began to bring the gospel. And it was much, much later, back in the 1930s, that there was a man, a Ugandan man called Simeon Sabambi, who was seeking to see a move of God. He uh, had been in the army, and he had understood about the fact that in the armed forces, you have somebody who's over you, who leads you and guides you, and you do what he says. And that brings order and discipline, but direction and safety. He knew that. And he was going to apply for actually gaining more education in the United Kingdom because he was looking to elevate his status. And so he'd applied to actually get a teaching course in the United Kingdom, was on a boat coming over here, and God spoke to him. And God said to him, what, you value education above me? And so he... Whoa. And he realized that this captain, there was a captain of the boat. Similar to what he'd experienced in the army, but here in the boat he was in, there was a captain, and that captain was guiding the boat, and the boat needed a captain, and God was saying to him, your life needs a captain. So he didn't go teaching to England, he went back to Uganda, and he began to seek God. What does it mean for me to have a captain over my life? And he was seeking God and praying a lot for that. He met in Uganda, in Kampala, another missionary uh, who was an Englishman called Joe Church who'd been serving in Rwanda. And in Rwanda they had had two years of uh, famine. And he had basically burnt himself out. He was just so tired of ministering in desperate circumstances where people didn't have enough to eat. He just felt undone. And he came to Kampala for a rest. And when he came to Kampala, came to the cathedral, and there at the cathedral he met Simeon Sibambi, and the two of them spent three days just talking and sharing with each other because both of them had a hunger to know more of God. And Simeon was sharing about the captain of his soul and how you needed Jesus and the power of God. And through that encounter is really where the East African revival happened. And from their meeting, they then went out, and when Joe Church went back to Rwanda, in the place where he was serving, in a mission hospital where he was serving, people began to get saved. But not just saved, their lives were being turned around. So somebody gets saved, and then they come and say, like, I'm awfully sorry, I've actually been nicking all of this stuff and selling it to make some money. And everybody in the staff is saying, like, whoa, this isn't just you're being saved, this is like something is changing in your life. And that change provoked people because they said there's something real here. That was the East African revival. 
Now, revivals come and go. This revival actually spread right across East Africa, hence its name. And many, many people and nations were touched by that revival. But the revival began to dwindle. In 1977, a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit came, and it came to this man, Simeon Kaiwa, in Kampala. He was a, 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 a boy of Christian parents, but was vocally against the things of God. God met with him one morning and just said to him, I want you to do this. I want you to call my people out of witchcraft and bring them back to me. And out of this man and the work that God did, he, and God was with him to give him the ability to do many miracles. Charles, uh, and he gathered young men around him, people like Charles Kaiwa, who's come here, John Melindy, uh, all the big names who are running big ministries and big churches in Uganda were all young men who gathered with this man, Simeon Kaiwa. And Charles said to me, the meetings were incredible. People being healed of things. He said one day there was a meeting in the church and it was pouring with rain. And Simeon just said, it's not going to rain around here. And he did like this. And Charles said the rain had stopped where they were. Wow. But he says, no, 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 it wasn't just like that. He said, you could go outside where the rain was falling like a curtain, and put your hand up against the wet, but on this side it was dry. That's the sort of miracles that this man was doing, raising the dead, all sorts of things were happening through his ministry. And as I say, people like Robert Kyenja, who if you've ever heard of him, who has a massive, uh, bit glitzy to be quite honest with you, uh, ministry of signs and wonders and miracles in uh, Kampala, all of these people came through this man because God was reviving the nation. And everything that has happened in Uganda that we are being touched with has come from this source of what God is doing. And what God was doing is saying, I want the people of Uganda, I want the nations to be called back to myself. I want people to find reality in me. And that is what I am looking for. That is what I want for myself. It's what I want for us here. Not just that we might be able to see signs and wonders being accomplished amongst us. Yes, that's great because we want to see the reality of God. But there is something greater than that. Knowing him. Knowing him. And knowing his presence. And walking with his presence. Now in many of the meetings that I were at, especially in the four days with Charles, I would get up and preach and bring a message. Charles or one of his friends would interpret for me, and then we'd call people forward for prayer. There was a lot of manifestations of, de of the demonic and things like that. Uh, people being set free. I mean, people would stand there, they'd be prayed for, so you'd pray for them, and they'd just be standing there, and maybe you'd come back and pray for them again, and then, bang! Suddenly they would be manifesting with the, with the demonic, and we'd be praying for them. So there was a lot of interesting things that are going on, things I can't fully explain, things where there are encounters of the spiritual that are coming into people's lives. And people were being set free. At the end of the series of meetings that we had, uh, Charles had brought some teaching about covenants, and people uh, were bringing uh, attachments they'd had to covenants and were being set free. So it was a tremendous time of ministry. But there's a lot of spiritual things that were going on. And as I say, not all of it makes sense to our minds. But there is power in the spiritual realm. 
dark power and there's God's power. And it, I mean, we even find it difficult to think, well, are these things real? That's how I would be. So don't feel, if you think like, well, I don't know where I am with all of this. Listen, the problem is we're struggling with it. That's the truth. And you know what? We read scriptures in the light of what our experience is. Not always in the light of what God can reveal to us. So we need to come even back to the word of God and say, God, you know what? We have so much understanding that we know, so much that we want to know, but I need to humble myself and actually say, Lord, I don't know very much, but will you teach me? Will you be the captain of my soul? Will you lead me into the things that I need to be led into? And I haven't come back here in one sense, unfortunately, saying like, and there was this day where this light came on in my room and came down upon me and a flame appeared on top of my head and I've come to tell you, I've, that didn't happen. I would have loved it to have happened because that would have been great. But I've come back to say like, okay, I need to dedicate myself to prayer. I need to seek God because I believe that God is able to do great things amongst his people. Great things amongst us. And the things that they, these are ordinary men and women who have met with an extraordinary God and are doing great things. Michael Chimuli was telling us that he's been going out to uh, Egypt quite a bit and doing some missions there and even places like Dubai and uh, other sort of uh, Muslim territories and he's been ministering and he says like he has seen incredible signs and wonders happening in the meetings as God's power is coming and breaking into the lives of Muslims and affecting what is going on in the Egyptian church and in the lives of unbelievers, which is, is tremendous. So it's not that these things are still happening, but there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. And that price is, we don't always understand what that price is. People say, well, are you prepared to pay the price? The answer is, I've got no idea. How do I know? I don't know what the price is. And in one sense, I don't want to know what the price is. Because it might be too expensive. Hallelujah. See, things happen in the spiritual. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what the price is, and I don't know what we're being called to pray. So it's not that I'm saying to you, right, from now on, it's fasting, you know, Monday to Friday, and prayer starts at 6 a.m. and we finish at 10 p.m. It's, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that we need to start asking God, God, what is it that you have for me to do? What is it you're calling my life to be? What I know is this, is that the Christian life is different from the world's life. What I know is this, Abraham was called to come out, come out of his country, come out of his father's house, come out of his nation, and God set him aside. And it's not just that we're being said like, well, Anybody who's come from another country, all right, you've come out of that country to this country. It's not really what it's talking about. It's come out of the culture and the ways that you think are right, that have been embedded in you because of your upbringing. You come out of those things because you come into the culture of God. Sometimes we find it difficult to come into the culture of God. Jesus says, when you pray. He doesn't say, like, you know, if you fancy it, when you pray, 
You go into a room, you shut the door, and you pray to your Father who is unseen. That's how you go about it. You come to a place where you are quiet and you seek His presence because His presence is what is necessary. When you do that. But our culture says, well, do you know what? It doesn't actually always fit in. I mean, for goodness sake, we're busy. We've got to catch the train. We've got to do this. We live in a society that is so busy, so busy. You know what? That's the enemy who's making us so busy that we do not have time to seek the presence of God because there's a power that knows the power that's in this place. The powers of darkness know how aggressive and how violent in the spiritual realm the people of God can be. The enemy is afraid of the church. The only thing that, he, that holds him in a, in a place of some safety is that if he can bring numbness on us, if he can bring satisfaction on us, if he can allow us to go so far, but not all the way, then at least that power has been boxed in a little bit. But that's not enough. Because we need the reality of his presence. We need to see chains being broken. We need to see lives being set free. We need to see demons fleeing, even the ones that we don't believe in. We need to see them being cast out so that people can be helped and can be enabled and facilitated. And I know there's a whole thing about, oh my goodness, Christians can't possibly have a dark spirits in them. And I understand why that can be a struggle to our minds. But they can. Now our problem is really even, is, is, is understanding that there is a spirit realm in the first place. And these are things that we need to ask God to help us with. It's not a matter of pointing the finger and saying, oh, you believe this or you don't believe that or you've got it all wrong. We're growing in God. We need to understand him. He needs to lead us. We need him. Not other people, not even books. The only book that we really need is the word of God. That's the only book that we really need. Talking with Bob Mwanga, I said to him, Bob, how did you do it in the early days? He just said, we sat with a group of people we came and we prayed. And then we would ask one another questions. Well, what happened? What happened with you? How did you fail? What is it you're struggling with? And we would talk and we would share and then we would go back into prayer. It was a group of friends, but they wanted God. And God came and met with them and did marvelous things amongst them. In terms of prayer, I was just thinking of this. You know, When you go back to Acts of the Apostles, Jesus said to his disciples, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem or do not leave Jerusalem until you have received power from on high. And he told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. We know these scriptures. And we know that what they did was then they went and there was the day of Pentecost and then we move on. But let's just state that step by step. Jesus says to them, Right, don't go away from Jerusalem. It's like saying to us, don't go away from this Bromley area. I want you to stay around here until you receive power. And we say, well, what does power look like? What's that look like? They were never told. They were never told. They were just told, this is what's going to happen. Don't leave until this happens. But when that's happened, you can go and be my witnesses. So when you think of it like that, well, there's loads of questions there's loads of unanswered things that they've got. There's loads of stuff they're dealing with. But they've just been told, go and wait. And what they did was they went, they went to the upper room and it says that they gathered together in prayer. 
It says, having returned from when Jesus went up back to heaven, they says, this is in Acts 1, they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So in other words, they were told, you will receive power. The only thing they knew what to do was to come back to the place of prayer. What did they pray? No idea. How long did they pray for? I no idea. The only thing I know is this. They prayed until. And it says that early in the morning, one morning, suddenly, suddenly, there was a blowing like a mighty wind. Suddenly. Suddenly something happened that broke in upon them that all the change happened. Now you see, that was after 10 days of seeking God for them. It might take 10 days, it might take 10 weeks, it might take longer. It doesn't say those things. But I believe the promise is there. The promise of power. And you see the same thing with Jesus. Jesus, went, when, he was temp- or when he'd been baptised, he then was taken into the desert to be tempted. And it says he went in there with the power of the Spirit, but he came, sorry, he, he came out of there with the power of the Holy Spirit. He went in being led by the Spirit, but he came out with the power of the Spirit. And there was something that was different about him because he'd encountered heaven. And that's what I was hearing about, uh, the experiences of these people in Uganda. There's something that they have that enables them to access heaven. They can break through the veils, the layers, the opposition that the devil wants to put over us to hold us back. They could break through that so they can pierce, as it were, into the presence of God to draw his presence and to do his will upon the earth. They could receive power from on high. Often we want to operate out of our ability, which is our power. And I don't know what you found, but our power doesn't tend to take us anywhere. It can often take us into mistakes. His power opens doors that no one else can open. We met with a guy called, this last Sunday, we met with a, a guy called Bishop uh, Joshua Luire. And uh, he is like the overseer of the Pentecostal churches across all of Uganda. So a man with some experience, a, a man of very gracious man, doesn't really talk much about what he does, but Charles says to him, says to me, he is a man of great discipline. And uh, I tried to unpack that a bit, but didn't find out an awful lot. But I know that he prays. He prays a lot for the different spheres of society, for the government, for the health service, things like that, gathering people in. And he says, uh, he prays for the president. And he was praying and praying for the president. He did not know the president. He had no access to the president. But there came a day when the president and the people in the parliament were seeking him out. Now you say, well, how does that come to pass? Because God was opening a door that nobody else could open. God can do things. And now this man has influence with the president and seeking and helping him and praying for him in Parliament uh, to help the things of, uh, to help God things come into the government, as it were, because there's a lot of corruption e- e- even amongst the president. And it doesn't mean to say that just because he's being prayed for that everything's going right, but it's bringing a godly presence into that, just as our brother Colin seeks to do that in what he does with uh, governments as well. So it takes prayer, but God can do amazing things. 
So as you can see, my story is not, oh, we went to this church and this happened and that's all fine and you know, we did great preaching. I don't know whether my preaching was good or not. That's almost irrelevant. What I do know is it was a great time of being able to encounter the things of God, learn the experiences of God, and to find out that there's so much more that we have yet to experience in him and to encourage us in that and to continue to seek for this and to encourage you to seek for God and to give time to him and to surrender our lives to him, to give him our lives, to lay down our agendas, to allow God to have time when he wants to have time in our lives, to give him space, to actually seek to get away from some of, to, to seek to give ourselves time to get away from the busyness of the world. We need to find that time. Because believe you me, as much as we might seek to go for that, the enemy will do what he can to make sure you're kept busy and kept out the way. The children will be playing up. This will be happening. Your washing machine breaks down. Just you know, All that sort of stuff to distract you from one thing. God has chosen you for his purposes and he wants to release his anointing upon you. Not the person sitting next to you, not the person that you think is more valuable than you, you. God is interested in you. He has created you for himself to bring his kingdom into this world. He has you in strategic relationships and partnerships that he wants to use for his purposes to let his kingdom come. You're not working where you are by accident. You're not living in the home you are by accident. You're not living with the family you are by accident. You are there because God had pre-purposed and pre-panned your life for purpose. And what I'm talking about this morning is for us to say, Lord, here I am. I don't understand it all. I've got many questions. I don't understand spiritual realm. I don't understand this. I don't like demons. I hate demons. I don't want to encounter demons. But there again, I want to see breakthrough in my family. I want to see the destruction of my family being broken. I want to see people coming to Jesus. I want to see lives being set free. I want to see bondages being broken. I want to see family curses being lifted. I want to see my nation being changed. And it needs us to stand in the place before God and say, God, here I am. Will you stand today? Will you stand now? Are you ready to say to God this morning, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. It's like, Lord, I, I, I'm here. I, I'm here. Can you see me? Here I am, Lord. Because I want you. Is that the cry that rises in your heart? Let's lift up our hands. Lift up your hands to God. Father, here I am, Lord. In your heart, let him know that you are here. Let him know. Father, you see these hands raised before you. You who are our master, we're asking you, oh God, to raise us up to be the people who will destroy the works of darkness in this area who will reclaim the territory for you and your kingdom, who will bring your light to bear and see the darkness flee in Jesus' name. Father, will you have mercy upon us? Will you release your anointing over our lives, O oh God? Will you, Father, 
Let your word come alive in us. Lord, we thank you that your word is the sword of the Spirit. Lord, we pray that you may give us that ability to take hold of your word and to wield your word with power and with great effect to destroy the workings of darkness. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would ignite a flame of desire for you in our hearts. Lord, what other people have, what other nations have, we are asking to rekindle the flame in this nation, Lord. The nation that you visited years ago with the gospel, Lord. The nation that was a missionary sending nation. Revive us again, O oh God, in these days. Let the power of your glory fall upon every life here this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Father, my desire is that you bring awakening to our hearts and fire to our lives, Lord that we may serve you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.